reading verses 9 to 21. This can be found on page 1139 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written... It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks very much indeed, Hannah. Let's uh, pray, and we'll look at these verses together. Heavenly Father, we pray for your Spirit's help for us this morning, and that we would be mindful of your Spirit in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we are, as uh, Sarah was mentioning, and, uh, and Lorraine, we're looking at, through this part of Romans, um, and we have been doing so now. Um, and this morning, under this title of Call to Community for the whole series, What I want to look at and talk to you about is what it means um, for us, as Paul, um, uh, writing here, puts out these different uh, collection of thoughts, um, that we are called to love not just people like us. We're called to love not just people like us. Now, people like us, people like me, people like you, that is quite a wide variety of things. Um, It's not as though me saying people like us means there's just one thing in this room. In fact, far from it. Um, And in fact, in order to make sense of this, um, uh, as we go through, um, you need, in a sense, to think about your own backgrounds and where you have come from. Um, Paul is urging us to love one another in different ways. Um, This uh, uh, Here is a list of things that might make up who you are, um, who we are is formed by so many different things, and, and many more than this besides. But the, the place that you come from, uh, your ethnicity, uh, the money that you have or don't have, or perhaps didn't have but now do have, or vice versa, uh, the family situation that you come from and, and how it formed you, uh, the culture um, that you know. It may be from a different part of the world. Your nationality, your origins may be from a different part of the world. 
Uh, the church that you have been a part of or not been a part of, if you're not a churchgoer here this morning, you're very welcome. Do you see, these are the things that make up who we are. You might, if you're taking notes, want to scribble these down and give them some thought. And the reason they're important is Paul is going to talk to us about loving people who are not like us. And not like us will mean different things for different people here in this room. What you bring to that sense of who I am and who people like me are. People I perhaps feel comfortable with, others who I feel less comfortable with. And unless you kind of begin to think a little bit about what that means for who you are, uh, what follows won't make too much sense. So if you can have in your mind or begin to be thinking, where is it I've come from? What does does the phrase uh, people like us mean to me? Uh, Hopefully it'll begin to make sense as we go through, because what Paul is going to do is urge us to say that we need to love not just people like us. Uh, We're going to think about those with less than you and what it means to love them. Uh, Those with different views to you and what it means to love them. And those who have wronged you and what it means to love them. So that's where we're going. Uh, those are a few opening uh, uh, th- categories that you might want to look at. But let's look at the first one. Called to, to love not just people like us, but those with less than you. Um, verse 9. Uh, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, Faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Four brief things. These are family words. Be devoted. It's the Philadelphia sibling love. Consider somebody uh, as family. Um, Consider them and grant them significance. To honour them is to give them significance, to consider them to be important, to be weighty. Regard others uh, as weighty and significant. Uh, Be intentional. You notice in verse 11 where he says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Don't just be reactive to a situation, uh, says Paul. Be intentional about it. Be responsive to the Holy Spirit in you, prompting you. And lastly, be practical, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. What Paul is talking about here, if you remember the church in Rome, uh, was a church of Jews and of Gentiles who had come together with quite radically different cultures and backgrounds and expectations of how you did things. And he was calling them together and saying, you are one body, as we thought about last week. You are one body to get together. So love one another. Love those uh, you meet. Love those who are part of that body. But the reality would have been there would have been many differences. There would have been those who had more than others. There would have been those who came with more than others in a, a variety of ways. One um, writer, uh, Chris Rash, uh, a, a great Bible commentary uh, commentator. If you ever come across this stuff, I commend it to you. Um, He writes this, imagining this situation, the trouble with becoming a Christian is that I find myself in a society, a a Christian church, whose members I have not chosen, and many whom are very needy. 
By nature, I would prefer to be allowed into a club whose members are richer than me and where no calls will be made on my money, time, or love. So if that resonates with you. It would be much easier, wouldn't it, to be part of a nice club where everyone is in a better position than I am. And Paul says the church, the Christian community, is to be different to that. To practice hospitality, to pursue hospitality. Um, And to those with less than, those in need, think for a moment, it can be a whole variety of less thans. There may be people here amongst us, uh, you may know people who have less emotional support in their life than you do. Who perhaps come from a, a different country and have less by way of community around them than you or I do who have less in terms of uh, practical support because of their family situation than you or I do, as well as those who may have less financially or practically or materially. Do you see, those who have less than you may be a, a wide variety of things, and those factors that I've laid out at the beginning, where you come from, your church background, uh, your culture, they may feed into those. And you may be somebody here who, who, who knows, yes, actually, I am one of those who feels I, I lack, I have less than many of, of you here, emotionally, relationally, financially, whatever it be. Do you see what I mean? There is a, a wide spectrum. And so the people that you speak to, the people that you look out for on a Sunday or midweek, the people that you might welcome into your home, The people at school who uh, you kind of find slightly awkward and and difficult. Do we have a vision? Are our eyes open? Do we have a vision for those who have less than us? Paul says, love not just people like us, not just people like you. Open your eyes to the ways in which there may be others. You can imagine that first century church Uh, and the Jews and Gentiles being asked to open their eyes to the radically different cultures that they have and to welcome in those with a different background, a different heritage, a different way of doing things. It is not just those with less than you, it's those uh, with different views to you. He goes on in this um, uh, middle paragraph, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Now, um, those who, to love not just people like us, is to love those who disagree with us, whether they are inside the church or outside the church. Bless those who persecute you, those who take a different view, those who, uh, who you might regard as an opponent, We're not just to look after our own in the sense of those who happily agree with us. Our society is um, becoming much more polarised, isn't it? It's not hard uh, to watch what's going on in society, to see people entrenching positions, uh, moving different directions, whether it's politically or otherwise. And the language of, uh, of, of you are not one of us 
And the anger that is often uh, spoken of in terms of, of those on opposing sides, our society is polarizing, but the Christian community is to be radically different to that. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Now, one of the interesting puzzles in this passage is Paul really doesn't make hard and fast distinctions between how we're to treat the Christian community and those outside. So those who who persecute you may come from inside the church, they may not. But the thought runs on. I think often we think, verse 14, okay, yes, it's sort of people who might come at me who aren't Christians. And then wonderfully, verse 15, he's he's now moved back to, uh, uh, to fellow Christians. But actually... There's no distinction there. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. This is where it gets really difficult. The Christian community is to treat our opponents differently, to mourn with them, to bless them, to mourn with them, and to rejoice with them. This, I think, is the real kicker. Do you know what it takes to rejoice in the success of somebody who disagrees with you? Um, you might have come across an American uh, chap called John Ortberg. Um, a person of love feels enhanced by the well-being of others. A person of envy feels diminished by the well-being of others. Think about what it takes to rejoice in the success of those you disagree with. We see precious little of it, uh, yet it's to be radically Christian. It's all actually underneath these verses about thinking. Uh, They're all thinking verses. Um, For those of you who kind of want to unpack this a bit later, to live in harmony um, uh, in verse 16 is to think the same towards others. to, uh, in the second half of verse 16, to not be proud and not be conceited is not to think too highly of yourself or not to sort of overthink, be, be overwise in your thinking about yourself. A lot of it comes from our thinking about others. It starts there. We thought about this a couple of weeks ago, about how our thinking affects then our hearts and our actions. So a lot of it comes with how... We think about those who disagree with us, those who would persecute us. So that's the first two. Call to love not just people like us, uh, those with less than you, those with different views to you, and then lastly, those um, who have wronged you. Um, Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, A reminder, there's no hard and fast distinction between the Christians here and the, and the non-Christian and how we're to treat them. Um, and it's a reminder that somebody who does evil to you may well happen inside the church as well as outside of the church. And by nature, I guess we want to hit back, don't we? We want revenge. We want to see them fall. We want to see their noses rubbed in it 
to see them get their comeuppance. And Paul's response here is radical again, but it's also nuanced and, and incredibly thoughtful. Um, where he says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, and then if it is possible as far as it depends on you. You notice he's talking, he's, he's highly realistic about the nature of the world. You'll know this from family situations you're in, from uh, friendships you have, from school situations you're in, that, that it is not easy to be a Christian. Um, and he's realistic about what it needs. And there's a couple of things that we could say. One is active and one is passive, if you like. Actively, he's saying, look, do you realize this, this needs wise and careful thoughts? Be careful in how you do this. It needs attentiveness to the Holy Spirit in you. It needs attentiveness to his prompting um, and to conscience. I think conscience is such a valuable part of, of anyone's uh, makeup, but also for the Christian. A, a Christian conscience, a tenderness to what is the Lord saying actively? What do I perhaps need to do that I wouldn't ordinarily do in this situation? Someone has wronged me. Or what would I ordinarily do, but I'd need to not do on this occasion? There are no kind of set rules in this. It needs attentiveness. It needs wisdom. It needs nuance. But actively to think carefully, what do I do in this situation? Somebody at school has wronged me. Someone in my family has wronged me. What, is, what Lord, do I need to do? Passively, so to speak, if I, if I use that word, there, there is a passive element. And that is to leave room for God's justice and and his wrath. He says here, leave room for God's wrath for it is written mine to avenge, I will repay. In a sense he's saying you don't need to try and take God's job for him. So there's a part that we need to do and there's a part that we need to leave to him. Now he's not saying here, therefore just allow something wrong to happen to you. Allow an abuse to continue. Quite the opposite of that, if you think about it. He's saying, leave room uh, for God's justice. And in fact, the next chapter, chapter 13, will take us into thinking about one of the ways in which we do that is to refer to the authorities that God has placed over us at a whole variety of levels. So it's not to say you just allow something wrong to happen to you. Quite the opposite. As we'll see, you refer exactly to the the means of justice that God has allowed and appointed. What he's saying here, rather, is that as Christians, we don't treat those who have wronged us in the way that they have treated us. Evil only overcomes us if we give in to evil ourselves. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're called to love not just people like us, and there are a whole variety of ways in which that works. There may be those with less than you in this uh, church family. There may be those with different views to you. There may be those who have wronged you. And with the Spirit's help and wisdom, we are to, to think wisely about how we love those whom God has called us together to be a part of. How are we going to do that? Only, I think, ultimately, if we're going to remember 
through bread and wine, the Lord Jesus' sacrifice for us. And just stop and think for a moment. What is it Jesus did for us? He loved us who had less than he did. He loved us who had different views to him as he stepped into our world and met opposition. And he loved us who have wronged him, who have turned aside from him, have ignored him. And ultimately, as he came and was nailed to a cross, those who did so to kill him. And I think only insofar as we see and grasp that is the saviour that we have, that is the Lord that we have, will it begin to warm our hearts to look at others in that way, those with less than us, those who disagree with us, those who may even have wronged us. I'm aware this stirs up a number of things. I've suggested that to make sense of it, you need a little bit of thinking in your own background. Where have you come from? Uh, what does people like you mean when you think of others? And how do you start to see the differences in others around you? Uh, I'm going to give us a minute or so um, just to ponder that. Um, I wonder if you might, you might um, uh, on your own, um, uh, want to just think about this question. Our pathfinders are going to leave in a second. Um, Ollie's going to pray about a minute's uh, worth of music. Um, you might want to turn to somebody nearby and just um, uh, verbalise something uh, if you wanted to. Um, I wonder of these things, which comes most naturally? And I wonder of these, which is hardest for you? Um, there's quite a lot that Paul packs into this. Uh, let's have uh, about a minute or so, and then Lorraine is going to lead us in prayer after that.